friends, I'm so glad you're here. On this episode, you're going to meet my personal friend, Katrina Swinehart-Held, who's an assistant professor at Central State University and a PhD student at The Ohio State University. Katrina has such an amazing story with her journey of chronic illness, and I just know you're going to be as inspired as I am every time you hear it. She is so real and honest about the struggle, but also shares how she stays so positive even when times are tough. Regardless of whether you've ever struggled from a chronic illness, I really think you're going to get a lot from this episode, even if you just have to deal with the crap that life throws at you. Katrina is such a positive light in a world that is so often dark these days, and I just cannot wait for you to meet her. Join Katrina and I as we enjoy life over a beer. Alright everybody, I'm here with Katrina Swinehart Held. That um, we're so excited to have you on the show, Katrina. What are we drinking? Um, tonight I uh, have some uh, Yellow Springs Brewery Vox Papuli. It's their like spring uh, seasonal Pilsner beer that um, came from the drive-through down the road because social distancing. That's right. So for anybody who's re- watching this or not watching but listening to this podcast. Um, we're currently recording during COVID-19. So <laughs> it's been kind of fun to hear where everybody's getting beer from, um, especially because where some places are closed, some breweries are open. So tell us a little bit, do you like it? You yeah, it? it's delicious. I'm a huge uh, Pilsner beer fan. I think it's genetic. My father loved drinking Pilsner beer. He uh, still to this day probably prefers Miller Lite over all other beers and I'm right there with him. Uh, it's really good. It's got a good flavor to it. I always, when I'm looking for a craft beer, I like Yellow Springs Brewery because their quality is always there. I have yet to be disappointed by anything. I'm not a huge IPA fan and I even like their IPAs. So I like that it's a local business and it's one of the local businesses that I currently miss going to. We'll usually go there a couple of times a month when it's nice out. We sit on the patio there along the bike trail and we just really enjoy Yellow Springs and we enjoy the brewery. Yeah, and that is such a unique spot. Um, Yellow Springs is located in Greene County, Ohio, and it's a very colorful town where it'll fill with lots of opportunities. So it's always a fun time going out to that brewery because I feel like they always have something different. And I love yeah. it. So I'm drinking Rheingeist, which is a Cincinnati Ooh. beer. Um, this is actually their Lodo. So it is a low-calorie tart uh, peach ale. That's actually really good. If you like a good, soury kind of beer, this is the beer for you. It's really crisp. It's a little sour on the end. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I'm not a big, like, go out and try to find the lightest beer. But it, it's good flavor for a light beer. It really is. Um, so, and Ryan, guys, I don't know. I just always find them to have such an interesting story, um, you know, being in the heart of Cincinnati and, and over the Rhine. So, I always like supporting them. We're, we're huge Rheingeist fans, too. I haven't tried the low dough, but I've tried the regular one and really like it. I should probably try the lighter version. My doctor might appreciate the lower calories. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, you know, we could all uh, lose a little, but then you miss out on great flavor. Most of the time, in my opinion. No, I, I agree. No, and if it's Ryan Geist, it's be good. Yeah. So one thing I've always loved about you, Katrina, is just you're, you are so authentic in everything you do. Um, you know, whether you are teaching a class as a professor or you're working with FFA students, talking about chronic illness, you are a rock star at what you do just from being you. You're so authentic about it. So do you want to tell us, our story, our listeners, a little bit of background about you? Sure. First of all, I'm very flattered to be here and I'm honored because Ashley, you're, you're one of my, my really close friends and I, I really appreciate spending time with you and talking with you. And um, it's an honor to be with you uh, talking about this stuff. Um, for me, um, I was raised uh, by a mother with multiple sclerosis. She was diagnosed when I was five. And um, I got to watch from her. So a lot of the traits I have probably came from my mom, which for better or for worse, that's where I got them from. But um, when I was in my master's degree, it was my first semester of um, graduate school. I was having a lot of trouble, I insomnia, ringing ears, all kinds of weird things. And I went to a neurologist and he told me um, at the at the age of 22, I was gonna have to have brain surgery. So I was diagnosed with Chiari malformation and I've been living with it uh, far before that, probably my entire life because it's a congenital illness. But I had brain surgery um, the day before my 23rd birthday. And so um, I got to eat the Thanksgiving dinner that was blended at the hospital and everything. It was great. but. Um, for me, that surgery kept me from a life of being paralyzed. And so uh, I was diagnosed and six weeks later, uh, they took care of my surgery because I would have been in a wheelchair if they didn't. So I'm very grateful for that. For those who aren't aware, Chiari malformation is a congenital illness where your brain is bigger than your skull. And so it causes a lot of pressure. And so I was living with constant 24 hour a day migraines, uh, the whole nine yards. My mom has always been really positive, And so I tried to remain positive through all of it. And um, it, it was really interesting. So since that time, I've, I've tried tons of different things. Um, I'm taking Imovig right now to help reduce my headaches. I've done Botox. I've done all kinds of herbal supplements. I've, uh, I, you know, get massages. I've done chiropractors. And so it's been a real adventure of Temporary success followed by failure, try a new thing, success, failure. And so it just seems to, to be a history of just this uh, roller coaster situation where um, you don't know what's going to happen next. And so you're willing to do or try anything that's legal, moral, and ethical to get um, relief. And so in, in that situation, for me, I learned to lean on my friends. And I think that's where some of that authenticity comes from, where I finally decided I couldn't fake that I felt good all the time. And I couldn't um, pretend that my head didn't feel like it was going to explode. And so for, for me, the way I dealt with it was being positively authentic. So never really negative, um, but focusing on the positive pieces, but really just expressing um, who I am. And I've gotten a lot better at it too. Um, I, I really feel like 
um, therapy and um, treatment for the depression that came with that um, roller coaster ride really helped make me decide that I have I have to be able to be honest with people if I can't do plans because I have a migraine I need that support system that understands and I mean I've lost a lot of friends because they you know think I'm a flake or whatever but through adulthood now being a, a professional it's really a cognizant decision to do anything and so I've, I've really just learned to express myself and the people that I'm friends with, I'm very close to, and we're very honest and, and brutally honest about what's going on in my life and in theirs. Absolutely. So for anyone that doesn't know, um, people living with chronic illness, it's exactly like it sounds, it's chronic. It does not um, go away. They might have good days and bad days, as you, Katrina, and I both know, since we both mm -hmm. suffer from chronic illness. Um, and that is hard. That's hard for people to comprehend. I think sometimes even I struggle to comprehend that, you know, all because I feel better one day doesn't mean I'm cured. And knowing that you'll never totally be cured of anything, you're really only going to be managing symptoms. Um, it's so challenging. And that's why I've always loved about your positivity is I know when I'm in the thick of, I don't know, I almost call it like a chronic illness storm, just yeah. because you and I both know that there's most of the time you don't have just like one chronic illness. That would be far too simple in life. <laughs> you tend to have multiple <laughs> things going on. So it is like this monsoon of things happening mm -hmm. um, and they all affect one another. So when you're like in the thick of it, I mean, you like the sky is black, things look sad. Um, it is really hard sometimes to stay positive. And that's what I've always appreciated about you is you fight so hard for that positivity. Um, and I just, I, I got to commend you because I feel like sometimes I fail significantly at that. I, I think I think the thing that got me to just realize that it's okay and to remain positive was just figuring out that I have to give myself grace. So one day I can just kill it, do all my homework in one sitting. I can teach all my classes and it'll be awesome. Um, and then the next day I'll get up and I can't move without reaching for the migraine meds. So I, I think just giving myself grace for, for that because I think we're all our, our own worst uh, critic and so kind of leaning on the positive uh, feedback and, and positive relationships we have to help prop us up is what's really important. But you're right, Ashley, it's a struggle. The struggle is so real. And <laughs> unless you live it, you don't get it. I mean, you, you really don't. Mm -hmm. um, you can have people in your circle who aren't sick that can empathize, but empathize and living your scenario are two completely different things. Absolutely. I love, and I will add this to the show notes, I love Brene's Brown's YouTube video about sympathy versus empathy. Because I think, I think we want to be empathic by people, but when you realize you have to like get in the hole and it's dark down there with people and things are sad and it's not just quick fixes. Um, we all, we all, I think, and I make this mistake all the time too, where I'm like, oh, I understand. Well, unless you're truly in 
that um, scenario, most of the time you don't understand. And it doesn't make you a bad human being. But sometimes in order to um, empathize with people, you have to sit in the dark with them. And it's uncomfortable. Um, I'm in the same boat as you. I've lost friends over chronic illness. And years later, you can look back and be like, oh, yeah, I'm glad those people are no longer in my life because, you know, when I'm on it, I'm rocking it. But when things are bad, I need strong support. Exactly. Yeah, usually a lot of strong support and uh, maybe to the chagrin of medical professionals, a good drinker too, sure, surely helps the soul, you know. Mm-hmm. When you're down in, in the bottom, you've, you've just got to sit back and kind of reflect and, you know, try to come out the other side more strong. And that piece of, like you pointed out, you can't understand if you haven't been there. You can try. I mean, the human wiring that, that allows us to say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I understand or I don't understand, but I have an appreciation for where you might be coming from. That's what helps people survive. And so I think as humans, when we prop other people up with those words, it gets them to survive and then later they can thrive. You know, it's just, I think most people are wired to be good. Not everyone, but most. And so that sympathy is what's really important. Like my university students who have no idea what I go through, but when I forget what I'm saying in class and I stop and I say the train left the station I don't know (laughs) the thought train is gone Um, they give me grace and will try to help me figure out what I was trying to say and so that that those good people are what really I think are helpful out out in the general world outside of my inner circle I guess absolutely my friend her name's now Ashley Sherman she was Ashley Cromer um, but the greatest thing she ever said to me one time, and it was when we were still trying to diagnose things that were going on, she told me when I was just explaining all my symptoms, I was explaining how I was feeling, I was talking about, you know, just being sad, genuinely being sad and scared of tomorrow. Um, she told me, she's like, Ashley, I don't know what to say, but I'm just so glad you told me. Those words have always stuck with me because sometimes we don't know what to say. And as humans, you're right. We we are wired to find solutions. Um, And sometimes the solution is just not there. So for her to say that told me that I could trust her because not everybody deserves to hear our struggle. No, absolutely not. I mean, you can gloss it over. I can tell you on two hands the number of people I don't say anything to because it'll be all the way back through the county somewhere weird and back again before I can manage the damage. I don't want everybody to know I'm sick. I mean, I look totally normal. I think that's the problem with chronic illness. We look like normal human beings. We aren't, we are uh, blessed to not have physical signs. I mean, people are very rude to my mother who uses a walker, a cane or a wheelchair. Um, And I mean, yesterday we were at an auction and these people walked up and um, under their breath were talking about how bad of a person myself and my dad were because she was helping us, but she was helping us because she wanted to. And so, I mean, it's just, it, it comes from a, a place of misunderstanding or, or ignorance and I, I'm not going to stop and educate them. I just decided they were catty and rude and just left it, you know, but 
I think having those people you can trust is very important because when you look normal and you have a problem, people definitely don't expect what what we the baggage we bring, I guess. The baggage we bring is not apparent. It's invisible, but it's sitting on our shoulders like a ton of, you know, fertilizer or whatever. I mean, it's just sitting there weighing you down, but no one can see it. And so it's it's really hard. And so I, I feel blessed that I don't have more physical impairment than I do. I mean, I walk like a drunk two thirds of the time, I just weave around and I promised I haven't had a beer, but you know, I don't have any balance to walk straight, but most people don't even notice that. So I'll take it, but we have to have those people we trust so that even if we're out in public and we feel weird, we have someone to turn to and say, Hey, I really want to go home and I want to go now. And they won't be so upset. They'll just simply go, you know, those are the friends that I think, uh, spoony folks, chronic illness folks have in their life. And the, those people are sometimes hard to find. Absolutely. So I love that you brought up spoonies. Do you want to tell the listeners what that is? Sure. I'll take a stab at it. Um, Essentially, it's a story um, that's told if you Google the spoon theory. It's a really great read. If you're dealing with chronic illness, please read it. Uh, it brought me a lot of relief. And so essentially, the theory goes that um, we're all given so many spoons every day. And that number is variable. I might have 10 today, but four tomorrow. And everything I do during the day costs me certain number of spoons. So just getting out of bed might cost me two spoons. And if I've got four spoons, I'm not going to do much else. And so talking about how we have certain amounts of energy, brain power, healthfulness to go through the life that humans lead, work, school, both, neither, um, pets, relationships, um, friends, uh, meeting up for a, a beer or a coffee is a big deal sometimes because you have to walk from your car inside. And so everything costs spoons and regular people, healthy people, uh, have way more spoons than chronic ill people. And so all about, it's all about managing those spoons and finding a way to manage. Absolutely. I'd heard of that when I was first diagnosed and I was so glad. Cause like you said, it, it was a huge relief. And honestly, it gave me permission to give myself some grace because for, I don't know, I didn't get diagnosed with my hypothyroidism and I was so severe, I was passing out. So I did show some physical symptoms um, besides just the normal, like your hair is falling out, your nails are brittle, you're exhausted all the time. Um, But with it, it gave me grace to know that I wasn't just being lazy. I wasn't just you know being whiny I truly didn't have enough energy to get through the day so it gave me grace I'm like okay I can either do this activity and I might love it but I'm not going to be able to do the thing that I really need to accomplish today Mm -hmm. Um, and you and I are so both so driven we're very career focused we're very community focused so sometimes it's hard to be able to say like okay like I want to do all these things but I cannot do everything. I can do anything, but I cannot do it all. <laughs> all the things cannot happen. I mean, that's said sometimes in my house a lot. I mean, uh, I work full time. I teach an extra class if it's there. I take three quarters of a load of graduate courses, right? Like in a single day, there's tons of times where I'm like, okay, 
I can't read for 10 minutes. I'm going to go lay down in my bed for 10 minutes and then I'm gonna have to get up and do my homework because it's due tomorrow. But I mean, I, I've learned to just accept things. I'm, I'm by nature a perfectionist and I love to do all the things you nailed it, Ashley. And I, I think that comes from an agricultural upbringing. Just there's always something to do. And I'm proud of that, but I've learned that just let let sleeping dogs lie. If I've written my paper for class and it's acceptable to me, I'm not gonna go back at one o'clock in the morning when I have time to re-edit it. And I think that was really hard for me. And that's when I really started noticing that I was struggling to get things done. And uh, I met I met a therapist and she told me about the Spoonie theory, never heard of it before. I'd been to see, you know, probably a dozen neuro specialists just because that's when you have a brain surgery, everybody's got to poke around, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, that's just how it is. Um, and they were, they told me, the surgeon told me that I had the most impressive Chiari malformation he'd ever seen. Impressive being bad. It was very big. It was the biggest one he'd ever seen. And so uh, everybody had to look like I had to sign off that a gallery could be filled with med students. And I just hope I didn't do anything embarrassing under the gas. But I, I mean, for, for me, just anything that could help me process grace was important because I was used to working a couple jobs, going to school. I mean, I was still in college and um, not sleeping and going from that to listening to my body and doing the things that my body needs instead of the things that the driven person in me thinks I need. Yeah. That was big. Well, and I love how you touched on self-care because I struggle with this a lot. Uh, <laughs> we I'm all do. Very, I'm very driven and very competitive by nature. So I really beat myself up because in my mind, oh, if I go lay on the couch, I'm going to be viewed as lazy. And then if I can't quite nail this presentation, because frankly, I'm just too exhausted to put words together because that's sometimes what happens with hypothyroidism when you mm -hmm. have it so bad you get what they call it brain fog but literally sometimes I struggle to figure out like putting words together mm -hmm. um so if I'm too exhausted to do that I know I'm not gonna nail that presentation tomorrow and that's hard for me but I know what I need to do but I'm worried. I'm so worried about the day. You know, we're all worried about the day, whoever they are. Um, but I'm worried that they will think I'm lazy or incompetent. And I don't ever want that in life. So what yes. are the best ways you have found to give yourself some self-care? Good point. I lived through the whole brain fog thing. I still have brain fog. I just make jokes about it. My students are used to my self-deprecating humor and they remark on it in my evaluations, usually as a positive thing. But I mean, those struggles are real. Um, and so for, for me, because I'm also super competitive, I think that's why we get along so well. We <laughs> face like the exact same struggles. <laughs> but um, for me, I really figured out that I needed to be doing self-care about my third year of teaching high school ag. I was in the spring. I couldn't tell you the last time I got at least six hours of sleep. And um, I just kept working and working until I ended up in bed for three days because my head wouldn't stop hurting. And so um, it ended up with an ER visit and a great talk about stress management and 
Yeah, you do know you're sick, right? That's literally what the doctor told me. And I said, yeah, sure, I know I'm sick, but I should still be able to live. And so that doctor was rather frank with me. But uh, this is, I was probably like 25 or 26. And they're like, listen, no, like you're not a kid anymore. And I'm thinking, okay, great. Crashed my dreams. But think things for me for self-care could be anything from sitting on my porch and drinking a beer and cuddling my dog to um, something I don't get to do very much now but pleasure reading picking a book that has nothing to do with grad school or work and reading it through i'm also a huge fan of the bubble bath if you haven't tried some of those uh disintegrating like uh, bath bombs yeah. uh, miss selby's bath bombs are to die for and if you get the lavender ones you'll maybe fall asleep i've fallen asleep before they're very relaxing um and so bubble baths are good as I, as I've been able to, you know, kind of move up in the world, if that's a thing, but uh, recently I've been doing monthly or bi-monthly massages. So every month or every two months I'll go and get a massage. Um, and I'm very known for walking in and telling Lori that I'm stressed and my shoulders hurt. Please fix me. Right. But I mean, for, for me, massage has probably been the thing that's released my stress the most. A bubble bath's nice, but it's 30 minutes. I mean, those 30 minutes are everything some days. But I've found that I've been able to feel better um, when I get my massages. So I enjoy those. I miss those. You can't have those uh, right now. I think they reopened, but this facility that she works at hasn't opened yet. So massages are good. I also have found hiking to be very effective. Um, Neurologically diseased, I had to get a walking stick, but a good hike in the Glen Helen, which is also in Yellow Springs, never hurt anybody. So um, hiking's good. I, I walk when I'm upset and I just need time by myself. I'll walk and think. Um, and then the other uh, outlawed self-care thing that we do, and my husband and I love live music. So we'll go to a show and have three or four hours where we just don't think about anything except the show that we paid money to see. And that's really refreshing. Yeah. And I think that's so important to, to take that time away. I know for me, I can always tell when I'm not taking care of myself the way I should. Cause even though I struggle with symptoms all the time, things will get worse. And you're exactly right. You will get yourself to the point that you can't, you will have no spoons, like you have no energy, everything will halt. Um, and that's what I find, like I struggle the greatest is all of a sudden all of my symptoms flare up. I cannot get my act together. Um, and I hate that feeling. So sometimes that's a driver for me is like, okay, Ashley, if you don't want to feel like this, then you will stop doing that. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. I've had to identify, okay, I've had a foggy brain worse than for common for the last two or three days. So you need to do something about that. And so I, I kind of noticed that I, I try to pay extra attention because that keeps me out of that purgatory, right? Where I am not effective for anything. And I'm like negative two gazillion spoons and you can never get them back. If you go negative, it's all bad. And I mean, sometimes it seems as if, I, I'm sure you experience this too, but if I neglect my self-care, it takes a whole lot more to dig myself out of that hole than if 
I pay just a little bit more attention um, and cognitively pay attention because the, my strength of achieving is like, shut up body. No, you don't need that bubble bath. Just, you know, have another uh, bang drink and keep working, <laughs> you know? So just listening to your body, I think is something, and we're not wired like that as humans. I, I really don't think so. Not in the fast paced world where um, if you pause to uh, in the Starbucks line too long, all that time's just gone. Right. Or we got people, it's kind of like the airplane thing when everybody jumps up and tries to like race everybody else off the plane. It's just idle, idle energy that's unnecessary. So if you can just take that extra energy instead of going nowhere and listen to the inside of your body, instead you'll get further ahead. But you got to learn that. 23-year-old me didn't know what that meant. 31-year-old me does. <laughs> yes. Well, and I think it it's a lot of trial and error and a lot of failure and a lot of like holy crap, I need somebody to pick me up off this floor because I really did it this time. Right. Um, right. For me and my self-care, like writing in a gratitude journal mm. helps with my mood. Because one of the big things, so I have, not to like spill it all on the podcast, but I have like four things going on. Mm. And one of the symptoms in all of them is depression, anxiety, um, which is very real things, folks. Very real. <laughs> De- definitely not fake. Not and, fake. Uh, no, if you have questions about it, feel free to call me. I'll sit you straight in an authentic, positive way. <laughs> That's right. So for me, you know, writing a gratitude journal when things are scary, and I try to do it every night, but definitely when things are scary with my health or whatever, is if I write down things that are blessings, I feel so much better because, you know, like, yeah, things are kind of not good right now, but things are also very well. You know, and sometimes it's really serious things. Like, I'm so thankful that, you know, I wasn't, I was right that my tests were off. So that way I could get the help that I needed. And other times it's things like, I'm super excited that my favorite pair of yoga pants came out of the dryer today. Like, I just needed them. Um, And then I really encourage anybody, you know, whether you're struggling with a chronic illness or anything else, truly talking to people, whether this is a therapist, whether this is a trusted friend. There is so much power in talking to people um, whenever you're facing something really scary. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the big thing I I learned in all this because I struggle with depression, anxiety. I mean, it's it's real and people make off-putting comments all the time, right? Um, well, everybody's anxious. That's my favorite. Well, yes, but do you need to swallow a pill every night for your anxiety? Because I do, you don't. But I, I, I think focusing on whatever's good is absolutely essential. I used to come home from work and just like dump all the negative, right? Dump all the negative. Um, and I'd probably rant to myself about it on the way home because uh, I needed expert advice. So me, I'm the expert. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but really, so <laughs> instead of dwelling on whatever didn't go well, I pick three things and I can say one negative thing. My husband holds me accountable. I can say one negative thing about my day, but I better have at least three or four positive things to follow it. Because even if I did forget that uh, a student was supposed to drop something off to me before I left campus and I left without it, or I forgot to take this book to class that the students wanted to see or whatever, right? That's not that bad. Chances are they've already forgotten about that. Or if I was supposed to get something from them, they'll throw it under my office door, slide it, whatever. Um, 
And so focusing on those things, because just because I get wrapped up and it doesn't mean it's actually a big deal. And that saved me a lot of spoons. I mean, literally like worries are spoons, concerns um, about the day. If I find day, I would really like to, you know, have a conversation, but I mean, the judgmental people just worrying about that it takes all the spoons. Yeah. It takes all the spoons that I need to like call friends or go on a walk with my dog, like those kinds of things. Absolutely. So as we start to wrap up the show, I always ask guests, what would you tell your 25 year old self? Uh, basically everything we've talked about, um, <laughs> but, but, but really, um, when I uh, was 25, um, I would tell my 25 year old self that it's, it's okay to own who you are. You are who you are and you shouldn't apologize for those pieces and that everything's going to be okay. I think 25 year old me, if they were in COVID, they would definitely need to know that everything is going to be okay, but mostly just to chase whatever your dream is um, and to forget anyone who thinks it's not actually going to happen. Um, that's probably really big because um, for me, I'm the first person in my family to get a graduate degree. Lovingly, my family, you know, doesn't know what grad school is, doesn't know what um, a PhD program looks like. And so um, that dream's a little crazy. I mean, I wanted to do what I'm doing now, but I didn't think it would ever actually happen. And so just knowing that you can do whatever you set your mind to, if you're willing to, you know, do the work that's involved and um, get good mentors and work really hard. Absolutely. Oh, such, I, I, I think every time I'm with you, it's a happy hour for sure. <laughs> always, <laughs> always, or not. <laughs> we need to hit up a happy hour when it isn't uh, illegal. <laughs> yes, yes. We make a six done. Real happy hour in person. Um, but I'm just, I'm always so inspired by your story. And I know you're a little bit older than me. So I think that always makes it a little special too. It's just that reminder that things are not always going to be this way. Like, yes, we will, we both will never be totally cured, never have another problem. Um, it'd be nice, but that's just not how it works. But just knowing that whatever chronic illness storm or whatever storm anybody's going through, you don't even have to have chronic illness. Sometimes people just have crap going on. But whatever crap storm you're in, things are going to be okay. And that it's not always going to be like this. Exactly. It's all temporary. You just got to survive the evil that's out there. <laughs> Absolutely. So Katrina, if people wanted to connect with you, how would they do that? Sure. So uh, I, I'm on Facebook. Um, I promise if you drop me a message, I'll, I'll add you. I'm currently um, taking a break from Facebook, but I will add you. COVID just got, got my goat a couple of days ago, so I'm taking a little break. I'm also on Twitter um, at KSwineheartHeld. Um, they're on Twitter. And then um, my email is Swineheart, S-W-I-N-E-H-A-R-T, Katrina, K-A-T-R-I-N-A, at gmail.com. Um, I, I talk to a lot of chronically ill folks. If you um, find that you need someone to talk to, I'm always available. And she's always just a random someone trying to talk to and always a good laugh, no matter what. <laughs> I swear. Do try to make people laugh because it is, in fact, the best medicine. <laughs> it really is, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much, Katrina. I'm so glad you were on the show. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Um, for anybody that is interested in more episodes of the podcast, uh, download our podcast as they come out and then also follow us on Facebook and Twitter for Life Over a Beer. So until next time, I really hope you enjoy um, all that life gives you and just enjoy Life Over a Beer. Cheers. <laughs>